Hi, welcome to the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today we're going to do another serial killer. Mm-hmm. So this time, I mean, a lot of people know him as H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, as we're going to find out, that wasn't him in his real name. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys have any familiarity with H.H. Uh, H. Holmes, uh, he's most famous for the murder, murder castle in uh, Chicago during the World Fair. And Was he considered... Uh, America's first serial killer? Yes, he was considered America's first serial killer. So, and there's also very, uh, there's been a lot of speculation that he was even Jack the Ripper. Right. Well, there's so, a conspiracy on that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, they're just trying to throw everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's they, been so many. Uh, I, this is one of the reasons why I kind of want to save Jack the Ripper for have, later in uh, the seasons because there's so many suspects that it could be. Yeah. They said that they uh, also they said that they'd found or had caught the uh, talking about the Zodiac, Zodiac killer. Yeah. No. I'm and not. I'm I'm thinking like it's probably going to be another Jack the Ripper situation <clears throat> where like. 30, 40 years down the road, people are still talking to him and people are still trying to figure out exactly who it is. They still don't know. You know, there's a lot of speculation on different suspects, but. Yeah, well, uh, as we're going to find out with H.H. H. Holmes, um, there is, like, back then they pretty much didn't have, like, what we have now, where if we catch a killer, we can talk to him for about 10, 15 years. Yeah. To, see, to find out, like, exactly who he was and stuff like that and yeah. with DNA and everything. Uh, but back then it was like, you had like a week, maybe two weeks. Yeah. Or if you're lucky, three months before they hung you. Yeah. Well, and then uh, hotels and stuff are a lot different than they were back in the day, too. Like uh, boarding houses and hotels. Uh, today, you have like the security systems, cameras, you know. Yeah. And we're going to go through his murder castle. Yeah. And if anybody would have went to this hotel, I mean, it was like a 50-50 chance you're making it out alive. Yeah. Because of the way he designed it, mm-hmm. so we'll talk about all of that. His er- we're going to start with his early life, like we always do with serial killers. Um, her- Holmes was born as Herman Webster Mudgett. It's <laughs> an interesting name. Yeah, in Gill Mountain, New Hampshire, United States, on May sixteenth, eighteen sixty one, to Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price both of whom were descendant from the first English immigrants in the area. Mm. So, I mean, he, he came from, I, I wouldn't say nobility, but he came from people who had first came over to America. America. Yeah. So, I mean, he had some roots, you know, in England. But, uh, I don't know. Mudgett was his parents' third-born child. He had an older sister, Hel- Ellen, an older brother, Arthur, and a younger brother, Henry, and a younger sister, Mary. So he was a middle child. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of goes with a middle child syndrome. Syndrome, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that uh, attributes to a serial killer. but Probably not. Yeah, there's a lot of serial killers are like single kids. Yeah. Um, his father was a farmer. Uh, sometimes he would help out other farmers, like stuff that they did back then. He was, uh, they were devout. Methodist, mm-hmm. Methodist. Uh, so, later attempts to fit Holmes into the pattern seen in modern serial killers have described him torturing animals and suffering from abuse at the hands of a violent father. Mm. 
but contemporary and eyewitness accounts of his childhood do not provide proof of either. Right, so there's no guarantee that he was even doing that kind of stuff, you know, like when he was a kid. He could have been had a completely normal childhood or something. They don't know. Yeah, there's no there's no evidence whatsoever that uh, that he had any torturing animals, setting fires, right, or anything like that. So, um, at the age of 16, Holmes graduated from Phillips Exeter Academy and took teaching jobs in Gilmanton and later in nearby Alton. So at 16, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's because they went through school at a younger age and faster because they didn't have to learn as much, maybe. Probably. But uh, it, it as we're going to find out, he he's pretty smart. Yeah. Um, on July 4th, 1878, he married Clara Lovingring and Alton. Their son, Robert Lovingly Mudgett, was born on February 3rd, 1880, in Loudoun, New Hampshire. Robert became a certified public accountant and served as a city manager of Orlando, Florida. So Robert grew up and he w- became a city yeah, manager. That's cool. So. Interesting. Holmes enrolled at the University of Vermont in Burlington at the age of 18 but was dissatisfied with the school and left after one year. Really? Yeah. In 1882, he entered the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and graduated in June 1884 after passing his exams. Mm-hmm. While enrolled, he worked in an, the anatomy lab under prefer, uh, Professor William James Herd, Herdman, then the chief anatomy instructor and the two were said to have been engaged in a facilitating grave robbery to supply medical cadavers. Oh, nice. Yeah, like a little side hustle. Yeah, kind of like uh, Burke and Hare yeah. in England when yeah. they like robbed graves and gave people bodies and stuff. Yeah, they, they would... Uh, also, they had a... Uh, like an insurance scam thing where they would take the cadavers from the laboratory, mm-hmm. burn and disfigure them, and then they plant the bodies to make them look like they were killed in an accident. Oh, Lord. Right. Yeah. So then the, the scandal behind that was that Holmes would take out insurance policies on those people before planting the bodies and would collect many once the bodies were discovered. Yeah. So he was a scam artist, uh, sociate, definitely a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, housemates described Holmes as treating Clara violently. And in 1884, before his graduation, she moved back to New Hampshire and later wrote she knew little of him afterwards. So he's abusive. Um, yeah. Um, so after he moved to Mora's Fork, Moors, Moors Forks, New York, a rumor spread that Holmes had been seen with a little boy who had later disappeared. Hmm. Holmes claimed that the boy went back to his home in Massachusetts. No investigation took place, and Holmes quickly left town. Of course. So that may have been his, his first, first murder. Yeah. So, obviously, um, I don't know if if it's one hundred percent accurate, but I think that most serial killers kills, um, especially ones that do with, I don't know, like they're often little kids, like John Wayne Gacy. I think his first kill was a little kid. And they don't talk about them that often. They don't talk about yeah. the kills of the little kids. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's probably why he didn't. That we don't know if he actually did or not because right. he's a little kid, and they don't they don't uh, confess to little kids' killings. It's weird. 
don't understand that. It's like that. That's the line that, that gets they draw. You, no, that gets you killed in prison. Oh, I see. Yeah, self preservation. Yeah. Okay. Bastards. Uh. So, in a confession after his arrest, Holmes claimed he had killed his former medical school classmate Robert Leacock in 1886 for insurance money, like you said, mm-hmm. with the insurance money. Leacock, however, died in Watford, Ontario, in Canada, on October 5th, 1889. In late 1886, while still married to Clara Holmes, uh, or no, Clara, Holmes married Marta Belknap in October 1862 in Pennsylvania. Uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, he filed for divorce from Clara a few weeks after marrying Marta, mm. l- alleging infidelity on her part. Oh, nice. Ironic. Yeah, he was the one being... In- <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, the claims could not be proven, and the suit went nowhere. Surviving paperwork indicated she probably was never even informed of the suit. Probably not. In any case, the divorce was never finalized. It was dismissed in June 4th, 1891 on the grounds of want of prosecution. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he had already been arrested. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, Holmes had a daughter with Marta, Lucy Theodate Holmes, who was born on July 4th, 1889 in Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois. Lucy became a public school teacher. Holmes lived with Marta and Lucy in Wilmette, Illinois, and spent most of his time in Chicago tending to his business. Holmes married Georgiana Yoke on January 17th, 1894, in Denver, Colorado, while still being married to both Clara and Martha. So that's his early life, his marriages. Obviously, he is a womanizer (laughs) and was very violent to his wives. Um, Not uncommon... No, among yeah, serial killers, um, they don't have like personal attachments, really. No, like, they they. I, it they seems like have sometimes like they do. do have really big attachments to kids because they see themselves in them. That's like it's like, weird. oh, these kids are my property, and I love myself. Mm. So, um, did you have anything else on his early life that you wanted to bring up? I know you brought up the uh, the grape robbery and his stuff. Yeah, he's he was just. It, it's important to note that he he was already doing scams and stuff at an early age. Yeah, you know, already doing stuff that he's not supposed to be doing, and kind of like he's he's smart enough to get through medical school, probably like with ease. You know, uh, at least enough to where he can be doing these side hustles on you know without getting caught. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, pretty much that and his marriage. That's about it. All right. Well, I don't see where, why they think he's uh, Jack the Ripper. Because Jack the Ripper was in England. And looking through at his early life and yeah. stuff, all those marriages, you would think his wife would be like, yeah, he left for England for a little bit. Yeah. I, it, it, people just like to put two two things, <laughs> that two serial killers and find a connection to them or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now we're going to be talking about the famous murder castle. Hmm. The reason he's as famous as he is. Yeah. Holmes arrived in Chicago in August 1886, which was when he began using the name H.H. Holmes. Right. He came across Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore at the northwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Inglewood. 
Holton gave Holmes a job, and he proved to be a hardworking employee, eventually buying the store from him. Yep. Although several books portray Holton's husband as an old man who quickly vanished along with his wife, Dr. Holton was a fellow Michigan alumni, or alumnus, only a few years older than Holmes, and both Holtons remained both Holtons remained in Inglewood throughout Holmes' life and survived well into the 20th century. So they were never... They were never killed. Yeah. Uh, it is a myth that they were killed by Holmes. Likewise, Holmes did not kill alleged castle victim Miss Kate Durkey, who turned out to be very much alive. Uh, so there was so a lot of people a that they that thought... Tr- contributed to him that weren't... Well, th- they didn't even get killed. It was just a rumor, yeah. like a myth. Yeah. Um... It, this is in the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s. People disappeared all the time, mm-hmm. but they weren't dead. Yeah, like there's there's no internet to track That's them down. Exactly. Yeah. Like they they could have just went out west, mm-hmm. died out in the west uh, somewhere. Yeah. As we know from the Jesse James episode. Yeah. Out west was pretty bad. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Holmes purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore where construction began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-use building yeah. <laughs> with apartments on the second floor and retail spaces, including a new drugstore. Whoever was in charge of this build, you know, mm-hmm. had to have been, like, looking over the plans that A.J. Holmes made and then been like, what is this even for? Like, no, he had a solution for that. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh. Holmes, uh, a creditor of Holmes named John DeBriel died of apoxia on April 17th, 1891 in the drugstore. Hmm. Apoxia, huh? Yeah. When Holmes declined to pay the architects or the steel company, Aetna Iron and Steel, they sued in 1888. In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers he intended to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition, the World Fair. Yeah. Through the hotel portion was never completed, although, sorry, though the hotel portion was never completed, in 1980, or 1892, the hotel was somewhat completed, with three stories, a basement, the ground floor, and was the storefront. So the ground floor was the storefront, the second floor was... Hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And the third floor, I think, wasn't completed yet, but they did have a basement. Uh, fictionized accounts report that Holmes constructed the hotel to lure in tourists visiting the, the nearby World's Fair in order to murder them and sell their skeletons to medical schools. Mm-hmm. There is no evidence that Holmes ever tried to lure strangers into his hotel to murder them. He just in built fact, the hotel yeah. with murdering people in mind. It was and, like, all right, well, if they wander in here, I'll kill them. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, none of his likely victims were strangers. Uh, Holmes did a, have a history of selling cadavers to medical schools. However, he acquired his wares through grave robbing rather than murder. Yeah. Uh, reports by the Yellow Press labeled the building as Holmes' murder castle, claiming the structure contained secret torture chambers, trap doors, gas chambers, and a basement crematorium. None of these claims were true. Yeah, but he did have the gas system rigged, didn't he? So he could uh, put to sleep some of his victims. I don't know. Let's let's find out. Other accounts claim that the hotel was made up of over a hundred rooms and laid out like a maze with doors opening into brick walls, windowless rooms, and dead end staircases. In reality, the hotel floor was moderately sized and largely unremarkable. 
It did contain some hidden rooms, but they were used for hiding furniture Holmes bought on credit and did not intend to pay for. So basically, this murder castle was really nothing but a regular-ass hotel, and everybody's just made it into this big thing because he's a serial killer? Yeah. That's dumb. I was hoping for like this to be like an actual like American Horror Story hotel type <laughs> place. I've a lot of times reality. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not as cool as fictionized uh, shit. No. Uh, the hotel was gutted by a fire started by an unknown arsonist shortly after Holmes was arrested, but was largely largely rebuilt and used as the post office until 1938. Besides his infamous uh, murder castle sorry real quick mm-hmm. kind of interesting sidebar is that all of his employees mm-hmm. hotel guests fiancés and wives were all required to have life insurance policies and he paid the premiums on them as long as they listed him as the beneficiary so most of his fiancés and wives would suddenly disappear as many of his employees and guests people in the neighborhood eventually reported that they saw many women near the castle but would never see them exit huh. Uh yeah, so he was just killing them for their insurance money. Was, I mean, yeah, it, it works. Uh, like I said, he also had a one-story factory where he claimed was to be used for glass bending. It is unclear if the factory furnace was ever used for glass bending, and it was speculated to have been used to destroy incriminating evidence of Holmes' crimes. Right. So that was the murder castle. Let's get into the early victims of Holmes and. We'll find out if the castle was really a murder castle or it was just a, you know, good place to lure people in or kill them and stuff. Uh, One of Holmes' early suspected victims was his mistress, Julia Smith. Hmm. She was the wife of Ned Connor, who had moved into Holmes' building and began working at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. After Connor found out about Smith's affair with Holmes, he quit his job and moved away, leaving Smith and her daughter, Pearl, behind. Smith gained custody of Pearl and and remained at the hotel, continuing her relationship with Holmes. Julia and Pearl disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891, Mm. and Holmes later claimed that she had died during an abortion, despite her medical background. Despite his medical background, Holmes was unlikely to to be experienced in carrying out abortions because they were yeah. vastly different than they are now. Yeah. And uh, mortality from such a, a procedure was high at the time. So right. it was like, you pretty much, if you went in for an abortion, it was 90% chance you died. Yeah. Holmes claimed to have poisoned Pearl, likely to hide the circumstances of her mother's death. A partial skeleton, possibly of a child around Pearl's age, was found when excavating Holmes' cellar Pearl's father, Ned, who would be a key witness at Holmes' trial in Chicago. Mm. Another likely uh, Holmes victim was uh, Emiline Sergrande, began working in the building in May 1892 and disappeared that December. Rumors following her disappearance claimed she had been gotten pregnant by Holmes possibly being a victim of another failed abortion that Holmes tried to cover up. Mm-hmm. Why not wear a condom? They had condoms back then. Wear a fucking condom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he got them pregnant just to be like, oh, I can try another abortion. Yeah. So, uh, while working in the chemical, uh, chemical bank building on D 
Dearborn Street, Holmes met and became close friends with Benjamin Pizzo, a carpenter with a criminal past who was exhibiting in the, exhibiting in the same building, a coal bin he had invented. Mm. Holmes used Peitzel as his right-hand man for several criminal schemes. A district attorney later described Peitzel as Holmes' tool, yeah. his creature. Oh, nice. Like Igor, almost. Yeah. In early 1893, a once-time actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago. Holmes claimed to have met her in an employment office, though there are rumors he had met her in Boston years earlier. Mm. He offered her a job at the hotel as his personal uh, stenographer, and she accepted. Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, an alias of Holmes. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. In 1893, Williams transferred the deed with Holmes serving as a notary. Holmes later signed the deed over to Peitzel, giving him the alias Benton T. Lyman. The next month, Holmes and Williams, presented, presenting themselves as husband and wife, rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister, Annie, came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she had planned to accompany Brother Harry to Europe. Neither Minnie nor Annie were ever seen alive again. Oh, nice. After July 5th, 1983. 19, ugh, 1893, 1893, God. Yeah. Uh, I have dyslexia. <laughs> if any of the remains of these five presumed victims were found, they were never identified. Mm. Uh, since the 1990s, Holmes uh, so, yeah, uh, was often described as a serial killer. However, Seltzer points out in his book... On Holmes, just killing several people isn't necessarily enough for the definitions of a serial killer. Right. More often, it has to be a series of similar crimes committed over a period of time, usually more to satisfy a psychological nerve urge on the killer's part than any more practical motive. Yeah. And the murders we can connect to Holmes is generally a clear motive. Someone know, knew too much or was getting in his way and couldn't be trusted. Yeah. The murders weren't simply for love of bloodshed, but a necessary part of furthering his swindling operations and protecting his lifestyle. So he was more like a gangster, if you think about it. Yeah. He had schemes uh, or organized crime. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So calling him America's first serial killer is... Kind of a stretch. I, <laughs> I, I don't think that... I mean, he did kill... Like my, it's always been my view of a serial killer is they have to kill three or more. Mm. They have to take, have a cooling off period toward the, between kills. And I think that's it. I think that's all that really classifies as a serial killer. Right? Yeah. Cause otherwise it would be a spree killing or if it's all like a one time, just one big mass go, murder. It's a mass murder. Yeah. So serial killing, I think, would be like it's it's a kill, and then another kill, and then another kill, you know. And there's usually a pattern or an mo associated with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those basically with the girls and stuff, they he did murder them. Yeah. There's a high probability that he murdered all those victims. Yeah. But let's get into the murders that got him caught. Right. 
the Peitzel murders. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with Damn. <laughs> he killed his Igor? Yeah. That sucks. With insurance companies pressing to persecute him for arson, Holmes left Chicago in July 1894. He reappeared and he reappeared in Fort Worth, where he had inherited property from the Williams sisters. At the intersection of modern-day Commerce Street and 2nd Street, here he once again attempted to build an incomplete structure without paying his suppliers and contractors. This building was not a site of any additional killers, killings. So he's doing that, like yeah. trying to do it again? or Yep, basically. So, it didn't work here, let me go set up shop somewhere else. In 1894, Holmes was arrested and briefly jailed for the first time on a charge of selling mortgaged goods in St. Louis, Missouri. God, this guy's all over the place. Yeah. Selling Jesus like a yeah, he used was a, car salesman just traveling. He was promptly bailed out, but while in jail, he struck up a conversation with a convicted outlaw named Marion Hedgepelth. Well, so he hacks up his new scheme. Yeah. His new newest idea who was serving a 25-year sentence holmes had concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of ten thousand dollars by taking out a policy on himself and then faking his own death (laughs) i'm pretty sure quite a few people have actually tried to do that i'm sure it was probably a lot easier back then yeah now they have like dna tests like no this isn't you Holmes promised Hedgepeth a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted. Mm. Holmes was directed to a young St. Louis attorney named Jephthah Hall. 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 Jephthah Hall. How? Yeah, how? Sorry. It's spelled weird. How thought Holmes' scheme was brilliant and agreed to pay, play a part. Nonetheless... Holmes' plan to fake his own death failed when the insurance company became suspicious and refused to pay. Mm-hmm. Holmes did not press the claim. Instead, he concocted a similar plan with Peitzel. <laughs> Peitzel agreed. Brazilian, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Peitzel agreed to fake his own death so that his wife could collect on a $10,000 insurance policy, which was she was she was supposed to split with Holmes and Hal. Which $10,000 back then was a, a lot, lot of money. money. Yeah. Uh, the scheme, what, which was to take place in Philadelphia, called for Peitzel to set himself up as an inventor under the name B.F. Perry and then be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Oh, no. Holmes was, was to find the appropriate cadaver to play the role of Peitzel. Instead, Holmes killed Peitzel by knocking him unconscious with chloroform and setting his body on fire with the use of bisine. Oh. I don't have to fake it if I can do it for real. Yeah. In his confession, Holmes implied Peitzel was still alive after he used the chloroform on him. Oh, my God. Before he set on set him on fire. That's However, sick. forensic evidence presented at Holmes' later trial showed chloroform had been administered after Peitzel's death. <laughs> fact, <laughs> oh, God. So he didn't even chloroform him first. He just lit his ass on fire and listened to him scream. Oh, my God. A fact of which the insurance company was unaware. Presumably to fake a suicide to exonerate Holmes should be should he be charged with murder. So basically, like, they think, like, his argument was Peitzel killed himself. Yeah. And then he just covered it up so that his wife could still get paid. I see. Holmes collected the insurance payout on the basis of the genuine uh, Peitzel corpse, 
Holmes then went on to manipulate Peitzel's unsuspecting wife into allowing three of her five children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, to be placed in his custody. What? The eldest daughter and the baby remained with Mrs. Peitzel. Holmes and the three Peitzel children traveled throughout uh, northern United States and into Canada. Simultaneously, he escorted Mrs. Peitzel along a parallel route. All the all the while using various aliases and lying to Mrs. Peitzel concerning her husband's death, claiming that Peitzel was hiding in London, as well as lying to her about the true whereabouts of her three missing children. Wow. In Detroit, just before entering Canada, they were only separated by a few blocks. That's messed up. Yeah. So did he kill the kids? We'll get to it. In an even more audacious move, Holmes was staying at another location with his wife, who was unaware of the entire affair. Oh, my God. Holmes would later confess to murdering Alice and Nellie by forcing them into a large trunk and locking them inside. Oh, that's messed up. He drilled a hole in the lid of the trunk and then put one end of the hose through the hole, attaching the other end to a gas line to asphyxiate the girls. That's messed up. Holmes buried their nude bodies in a cellar of, of his rental house on the 16th St. Vincent Street in Toronto. This home and address no longer exists, St. Vincent's, Vincent Street having long since been realigned into a part of Bay Street. Wow. Frank Goyer, a Philadelphia police detective assigned to investigate Holmes and find the three missing children, found the decomposed bodies of the two Peitzel girls in the cellar of the Toronto home. Mm. David Goyer, or Detective Goya, wrote, The deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became. And when we reached the depth of three feet, we discovered who, what appeared to be the bone of a forearm of a human being. Goyer then went to Indianapolis, where Holmes had re rented a cottage. Holmes was reported to have visited a local pharmacy to purchase the drugs, which he used to kill young Howard Peitzel and a repair shop to sharpen the knives he used to chop up the body before he burned it. Mm -hmm. The boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in the Holmes chimney. Wow. Yeah. So that's how you get caught. Well, so basically that was a murder spree. Yeah. He killed three. Holmes' murder spree finally ended when he was arrested in Boston on November 17th, 1980, or 1894, after being tracked by, from Philadelphia by the private Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Ah, uh, not the Pinkertons. Yep. The Pinkertons. He was held on an outstanding warrant for horse theft in Texas. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> this dude, I swear... Because the authorities uh, had become more suspicious at this point, and Holmes <laughs> appeared poised to flee the country in the company of his unsuspecting third wife. This guy is like chaotic evil rogue. Yeah. <laughs> in July 1895, following the discovery of Alice and Nellie's bodies, Chicago police and reporters began investigating the Holmes building in Inglewood now locally referred to as the castle. Mm -hmm. Though many sensational claims were made, no evidence was found which could have convicted Holmes in Chicago. According to Seltzer, stories of torture equipment found in the building are 20th century fiction. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. In October 1895, Holmes was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel and was found guilty and sentenced to death. But then it was evident Holmes had also 
murdered the three missing title children. Mm-hmm. Following his conviction, conviction, Holmes confessed to 27 murders in Chicago, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, and Toronto. So if that's true, then yeah, he's definitely a serial killer. Yeah. Though some people he confessed to murdering were still alive. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's just screwing with people at that point. Yeah. This guy is a literal, like, Piece of Troll. shit. Yeah. He's, he's such a dick. Like, he scams every... He's the horse thief. He's a killer. Yeah. This guy is like, I'm going to figure out every shitty thing that somebody can do in their life, and I'm going to do them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was also... Uh, he also confessed to, confessed to six attempted murders. Holmes was paid $7,500 by the Hearst newspapers in exchange for his confession. He's still... <laughs> he's scamming the, the newspapers out of money even after he's been convicted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, which was quickly found to be mostly nonsense. <laughs> that he lied about it. <laughs> yes. Holmes gave various contradictory contradictory accounts of his life, initially claiming innocence and then later saying he was possessed by Satan. (laughs) Wow. His propensity for lying has made it difficult for researchers to ascertain the truth on the basis of his statements. While writing his confessions in prison, Holmes mentioned how drastically his facial appearance had changed since his imprisonment. (laughs) Okay. On May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at uh, Miamazine Prison, also known as uh, Philadelphia County Prison, for the murder of Peitzel. Until the moment of his death, Holmes remained calm and amiable, showing very little signs of fear, anxiety, or depression. Despite this, he asked for his coffin to be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep because he was concerned if grave robbers would steal his body and use it for dissection. Really? (laughs) Well, he knows. I can't. He's like, Holmes' neck did not break. But instead, he strangled to death slowly, twitching for over 15 minutes before being pronounced dead 20 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. Well, there's some cosmic karma at the end there. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, Upon his execution, Holmes' body was interred in an unmarked grave at Holy Cross Cemetery, a Catholic cemetery in the Philadelphia western suburb of Yeadon, or Yeadon, uh, or Pennsylvania. On New Year's Eve, 1909, Hedgepeth, who had been pardoned for informing on Holmes, was shot and killed by police officer Edward Jibberick during a holdup in the, on a, at a Chicago saloon. So that itself, like I said, the, the, and I mean, so all of the stuff that we know about the murder castle is most than likely fiction. I'm not going to say it's 100% fictitious. Yeah, but there's a lot of new stuff that I learned about this. This dude had a very uh, interesting life, that's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, he was probably... Definitely a sociopath. He had no feelings whatsoever. Uh, didn't wasn't fearful of his death. Um, didn't have any empathy. empathy. No empathy whatsoever. Killed children. Had yeah. no problem with it. It's pretty much he killed anyone who stood in his way. Yeah. If he was trying to make money and you were in his way, he killed you. Yeah. Or if he thought you were going to tell him, he'd kill you. Mm-hmm. The mistake he made that one hundred percent got him caught was he did not pay Hedgepeth the five hundred dollars. 
Yeah. He promised. He promised them to pay $500. He didn't. And Hedgepath was like, all right. Okay. So he informed them, got pardoned, mm-hmm. but not even 15 years later, got killed. Yeah. So, I mean, he he was once a criminal, always a criminal. Uh, or he was just, no one would give him a job because even though he's pardoned, doesn't mean yeah. shit back then. Yeah. Um, did you have any thoughts on H.H. H. Holmes? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a card, that's for sure. Just, I, it, <laughs> I, the fact that he, even to the end, was, was like, hey, guys, I'll, 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 I'll sell you the rights to my story, right, for $7,000. Yeah. And then lies about everything. <laughs> so all of the information he gave them isn't even true. Yeah. And what does he need the $7,000 for? He's sentenced to death. He uh, doesn't have anybody he's going to leave it to. Why is he accumulating well, he had, he all this kids. money? He still had kids. He had two uh, two kids. Oh, so I guess he left it to them. But still, though, that's... Yeah. Why? Um, I wouldn't want it, though. No. If I was his son the and he got money. money yeah, yeah, that's blood money. Fuck you. Uh, also, he... There was a lot of speculation that he had 27 to 100 kills. Yeah. Now, do not know how fictionalized that is because, like they said, there wasn't any shoots or, like, trap doors or anything in that castle, according to some people. According to other people, there were. Yeah, it's weird. There's there's contradictory reports in the newspaper at this time. Yeah. There's one, there's one report saying that, no, that's bullshit. British Museum says it's true. Yeah. British Museum. I mean, there's been people who fought tooth and nail. So I I can't tell. I I did history.com and also uh, a little Wikipedia. But Wikipedia has been proven to be wrong a lot of times. So, like I said, if you guys believe that he did have a murder castle with trap doors and grease shots. Even without the murder castle, though, he had a very interesting... Like, taking that out of the equation completely, he'd still... Well, do you know where he got his fascination with skeletons? No, I've I've read about it, but I cannot remember for the life of me what it was that started it. Well, he was being bullied as a kid, huh. and there was a skeleton, a life size skeleton, in a schoolhouse in his in his uh, town. Yeah. So they locked him inside the schoolhouse or whatever, and right. the floorboard or whatever, huh. and for like eight hours. <laughs> oh my god! It's like that scene from. Uh... Stick sense on, uh, yeah, 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 when they locked him in that thing and those yeah. ghosts were like trying to kill him and shit. Yeah. That was freaky as it. That was the freakiest part of the whole movie, but uh, yeah, that um, that's how he got his fascination with skeletons. After that, he was fascinated. That's so, those kids probably turned him into a serial killer, probably or yeah. a murderer. Yeah, something snapped. Um, I don't think he was a serial killer. It depends on how many of his killings are, are true or not, because I think if he... any of the previous ones were true. I think he was a mass murderer. Like I think he he wasn't a spree killer, obviously. But I think he was I think he killed multiple I think he was just a murderer. He just murdered people to get them out of the way. He killed the kids because he didn't need them anymore. So you don't he don't you don't think that he was like one of the typical he's still a sociopath. He's still a psychopath. Yeah, but that doesn't automatically make it right, right, right. And he just so you're saying he happened to be a sociopath, a psychopath and a murderer. Not Yeah. Because he's a... I think he was a sociopath and a psychopath because he didn't feel any remorse. Killing them was just part of business. Yeah. It was just business. Yeah. He needed money. They stood in his way of the money. A lot of mob money. bosses were technically sociopaths, yeah. psychopaths. Yeah, Al Capone so. was a sociopath. So... 
and uh, a lot of other ones. Um, Pablo Escobar was a sociopath. It's it's, to get that high up in organized crime, you have to be a sociopath. Yeah. Now, H. H. Holmes, he could have. I mean, if he really applied himself, he could have been a mob boss. Yeah. But he just lied. He was a compulsive liar. He lied for no reason whatsoever. And that line got him caught. Mm-hmm. And I think another big factor too. My was thing the is, fact thank was, God the baby stayed with yeah. Mrs. Pitbeitel yeah. because yeah. he would have had no problem killing the baby. No, obviously because he was killing fucking uh, unborn babies left and right. Yeah. Uh the the two girls that he got pregnant definitely he killed. I one hundred percent he killed. Yeah. Um, I don't even think he tried to do the abortion. He's like, yeah, I'll do an abortion. Just like started cutting her up and shit. Probably just to kill her, yeah. Yeah. It was an inconvenience to him to have a kid at that particular time or something. and Yeah, with two kids and three wives. Yeah. yeah. And then many mistresses. Uh, I've seen pictures of this dude. This dude is not handsome. <laughs> to have that many I guess wives. for the time period it might have been. I mean, I think a lot of people think he was handsome. Mm-hmm. Um but according to Trey, those people are, there's something wrong with them if they think serial killers <laughs> are serial looking. Killers. And they, they, they're in love with them. I don't know. All serial killers have, like, fan clubs, so. Yeah, and, like, it's mostly, it, I'm not saying it's all women, but it's mostly it's mostly women yeah. who want to try to, like, I guess they're like, oh, I can fix them. Oh, yeah, it's like a weird. He won't hurt me. Oh, no, he's innocent. He's just misunderstood. Like. No, I'm pretty sure if he was alone yeah. with you, he'd kill you. Manipulation. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that was H.H. H. Holmes. It's an interesting uh, First, America's first serial killer. And or our first he? episode after our one-year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys wanted to check that out, uh, we, me, Trey, and Dom had uh, some fun just talking about it, everything, shooting the shit and everything. We I know we brought up Ukraine and Russia. Um, just... We, I guess, we want to say something about that. Do you want to? I don't really do politics, but, I mean, it might be World War Three. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but just, we... Yeah, hopefully Ukraine keeps holding on. and Yeah, and I've been seeing a lot of good things coming out of Ukraine about, you know, citizens fighting back, good on them, because, you know... Yeah. You have to if you're getting invaded, man. That sucks, man. I don't think, honestly, that it's going to. Hopefully, I'd, see. I'm, I'm saying I just, this I now. Feel and really... I feel like I'm gonna be wrong, but hopefully, it's not gonna actually start World War Three. I'm, I'm hoping that so- something's gonna happen at home in Russia. It's it, Putin will get assassinated, or or will finally get locked up, or something like that. You know, overthrown something because they're getting. The sanctions, everything else, their economy is basically collapsing. The stock market's collapsed. Uh, you yeah, know, but that's also affecting really, us, too. Yeah, well, it's affecting the citizens who aren't involved in it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, which and, sucks. And what, what what bothers me the most about it is seeing pictures of Ukraine. And any oh, yeah, any the, war-torn that's place a weird is so thing. It's bad. a weird experience getting onto your phone, onto Facebook and TikTok, and seeing a war mm. live on an app like TikTok, you know, yeah, where live you, streaming the war. you're going through your for you page, and you're seeing like stupid videos of people dancing or, you know, cats mm-hmm. or dogs or whatever. And then you go down and you're seeing all the stuff with Ukraine and Russia and, you know, the bombings and the, you know, all the fight and everything going on. And you're just like, wow, that's weird. That's a weird experience, you know, cause 
we grew up in i mean there was the war in afghanistan and iraq and stuff like that but you know we yeah. for the most part grew up with you know nothing world war you know like world war one world war two or even vietnam so much yeah. um and now we're we grew up i think we were you think that we i think i was i was born before the first desert storm i think I think we've we've gotten to the point where we didn't think it would come to another war. We pretty much, you know, like everybody was setting their own. I think if we were coming into a war, I think that it wouldn't have been a world war. I I legit thought it was just going to straight nuclear. After the I think Cold that'll be war, last, I think that'll be the last thing, and and whoever does it will have to be insane because it's a suicide mission. Because Putin, I swear to God, dude, I'm I'm. I'm so scared that he's going to launch nukes, not just not just so. to America. Like, obviously, I don't think he's going to do it to America, but Europe. Yeah. Like, Europe, he's, I mean, he's crazy. A lot of people are comparing him to Hitler right now. Yeah. It's it's a scary time, guys. It really is. Like, you just We just don't know. But I know we don't like talking about politics on not the show, usually, but yeah, uh, so we just, our heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. You know, we hope that they hold on and, you know, stay safe and, you know. A lot of refugees are going to Poland and everywhere else. So we just and Switzerland, it's been neutral for how long? Forever. For hundreds of years, yeah. and they they they're siding with Ukraine. Yep. You know, uh, you, you know you fucked up when you, you Switzerland comes out of being neutral. I'm also, know you they didn't even do that in World War Two. They got banned from the Eurovision Song Contest too. Yeah, America will take their place though. No, we won't. We have our own coming up. I know. I'm excited for it, but like I said. uh if we have any listeners in Ukraine, we love you, and yeah. we hope you uh, crank the duct tape. No, Be safe don't do that. <laughs> uh, focus on trying to stay safe and everything. So, as always, thank you for listening. All right, we'll catch you next week for Skinwalkers. That will be with our special guest, and we'll see. I mean, we're coming up fast on the end of the season, so yeah, yeah, pretty quick. All right, guys, have a chill day, and we love you, and we'll see you next week.